Hey there, I'm Grace. And I'm Amelia. And welcome to the Women Invest in Real Estate podcast, where we talk about getting started in real estate, scaling, and we give you the inside scoop about our day-to-days as full-time investors. Hey there, are you looking for those deep, real-life, in-person connections with fellow female investors and business owners? We're so excited to announce our next WIRE retreat, March 2nd through 5th in Salt Lake City, Utah. Our retreats are the highlight of our year. They're an intensive weekend spent talking all about big goals, strategizing, masterminding, and fun. Registration is now open on our website, and this will sell out quickly, so be sure to reserve your spot now. Visit womeninvestinrealestate.com slash SLC to sign up. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Today is a fun episode because it's a behind the scenes, which means you really just get to hear Amelia and I chit chat about what we're up to, which is super fun because I actually have a million questions for Amelia. We both have some exciting things going on. So I think we'll start with you, Amelia. I know that you have... Oh, I want you to go first. No, I want you I to wanna... go first. <laughs> okay. I don't have as many updates. I feel like okay. you have more updates. So last I talked to you, you put an offer on what, a 40 unit motel? Is it 40 yep. units? 41 units. Yep. And when did you put that offer? When did you make that offer? So we submitted a letter of intent two days ago, and we actually just heard back this morning. Yes, we did, didn't go. <laughs> we didn't hear did you back. Get it? Yeah, no. So we didn't hear okay. back whether or not we got it for the offers that we offered, but they want to have coffee with us next week because okay. we basically asked them, and I can, I'll give you guys the whole backstory, but for this, we asked them to carry a million dollars of mm-hmm. the down payment on a sell or finance note. And so they're like, hey, because you've asked us to carry up to a million, we'd really like to get to know you and get to vet you as investors and get to know a little bit more about your experience. And so we are meeting next week for coffee with the sellers and super excited for that. I think that is a good start. Before we dig into the deal and like how you found it, first of all, tell me who are the sellers? Okay, it's so crazy. I don't really know that I want to name drop because they are bigger. Yeah, or just like, is it a couple? Is it a group of investors? It's two brothers in the Des Moines area. One of them is now in Denver. And if you're listening and you're in the real estate investing community, you might be able to figure out who it is. They own lots of large multifamily in the Des Moines area and also in the Denver area. And so it's a really good connection to have, even if for some reason this deal doesn't actually go through. But yeah, they are looking to do a 1031. exchange into a bigger property. And so it's it's just going to be a good connection. No matter what, you're going to learn a ton. You're going to make a great connection. This guy sounds like he does a lot of real estate and is great, would be a great person to know. So tell us more about how you found the deal. I'm pretty sure a broker sent it to you, right? Yeah. So originally how I found it was I posted in a Facebook group that a local investor Facebook group here in Des Moines my buy box. So I had a graphic designer create a pretty little graphic that had everything laid out of what I was looking for with my photo on it. Mm -hmm. And I posted it in the group. It was like 20 units, a million dollar purchase price, multifamily. Like those were some of the things that I included. And I had a broker reach out who knows that I'm in the midterm rental market and said, hey, this is a little bigger than you're looking for, but you might be interested. I think it could be a really good midterm rental play. And it was the 41 unit motel. And And when was was this? When did you post? When did they reach out? 
I posted that was probably about two weeks ago. So it had been on the market for a while. And but I was like, sure, let's go look at it. It's listed on the MLS for like 2.8 million Mm -hmm. and have no idea. Like, I don't have that much money, right? Like no idea. But I was like, yeah, let's take a look at it. He originally was like, if I buy it, how much would you want to be paid to manage it? Because I know that you manage midterm rental. So we were kind of thinking about it in that way. So went and toured it. It's a great property. There's so many details that I want to get into about it. It's undermanaged, lots of value right. add opportunity. Great. Just area. What we like. Yeah. And so I actually asked the broker after we'd seen it, I could find the money. I'm confident that like, if a good enough deal comes along, the money Mm -hmm. will come. But I was like, could you ask if they would be open to seller financing the down payment? And he did and they were open to it. And so that kind of got my wheels turning. And then while we were in Orlando, my aunt and uncle actually gave me a call. Sorry, this is a long story, but there's a lot. No, I love it. I think people (laughs) want to know though, like how these deals come to fruition. So keep going. It was just kind of like weirdly fate. Like my aunt and uncle gave me a call. They are investors, although I've never really used them as a resource, resource, which is done. They own a couple campgrounds. They own storage facilities, a couple multifamily. And they were like, hey, we are pretty much looking to retire. We have a 1031 exchange on one of our storage units that we're looking to put somewhere. If we buy a property or if you source a property, would you be interested in managing it? And we'll front all the money. And I said, oh, funny that you would ask. I actually have a property that I'm looking at right now that I think would be a really good fit. And so that's kind of where the conversation started with them. That is amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. The numbers are oddly fantastic. It's almost like, is this too good to be true? But I think Mm -hmm. that the motel market is a really niche market. And one of the hardest parts of running a motel is actually finding a good operator, which would be me, because Mm -hmm. your manager can make or break a motel. And so I think that was one big piece of the puzzle. And I think that's why a lot of investors maybe look this over, because it it basically will turn into my full-time job for a while, although I'll be getting paid a very good salary. So it's worth it for me. That is so cool. And it's funny because you've talked about wanting to get into motels. Almost jokingly, you and I have daydreamed about it. If anybody has seen the Netflix show, what's it called? The June Motel or Motel Makeover. It's called Motel Makeover on Netflix. And it's the hotel, the motel itself is called the June Motel or something. And it is these two ladies in Canada who like flipped a motel and it's so cool. So I love that you have daydreamed about it. And now it's like coming to fruition. Of course, knock on wood, we want this to go through and it's not finalized yet. But that's so exciting. Yeah, I'm not a big woo-woo person at all, but it's crazy how I've like casually just mentioned that like, hey, I would be interested in purchasing a motel. And I've even like sent you motels and stuff yeah. and been like, oh, this is a good opportunity. Mm-hmm. And now this one came along and it's great. A lot of their clientele, just to give you a little more information, a lot of their clientele are construction workers that are staying for months on end. The company pays for them to stay, which is great. 30 of the 40 units have been updated and a, like the 11 or 10 that haven't been updated are actually long-term tenants, which is kind of strange because they're all interesting. They're studio units. Obviously it's a motel, but they all have full kitchens, which is something I love for a midterm rental. They have mm-hmm. a full stove, a full fridge and a microwave. So that's great. There's a couple garage spaces that they aren't utilizing at all. They are just storing their own. Con- the motel is storing their own construction materials in. So that's a value add opportunity there to rent those out. They have a laundry room, but 
that's not functioning. It's just run down. So putting in a few coin-operated machines on 40 units, estimate that's about $1,000 a month just in laundry revenue. Mm-hmm. And then putting a vending machine or two. Vending on, machine. Yes, that's estimated at like $500 more per month as well. So right there you added $1,500 in revenue, which isn't that much because it's bringing in around 30000 on average, thirty to 35000 depending on the season per month. But every little bit counts. Yeah. And it increases the cap rate. Like, I, I don't yeah. know that calculation off the top of my head. But one thing that I already told you this, but I think would go so well with construction workers is a laundry service. So you could find somebody to like be a maid almost. And like, yep. maybe you could even do add-ons for like a $50 unit clean and like yeah. have her be not only your full-time cleaner. I don't know how often your turnovers are. Would you say they're typically 12 weeks or are they a lot longer stays? I would say they're probably around three months stays. Yeah. So you have probably three turnovers a week and you could have a full-time cleaner who does laundry service and like additional cleanings or whatever. Honestly, I think I would pay her to clean each unit once a month, whether or not there's a turnover. Just do the sheets because that's just going to keep the unit in better condition. No offense to construction workers, but they can be a little bit messier. Well, I mean, they are in a construction zone all day. Exactly. A couple other, there's a vacant lot that also comes with the property. And my aunt and uncle have experience in storage units. Obviously they own a few, so they want to put storage units on that empty lot, which would increase the profitability exponentially. So lots of value add opportunities. Super excited. Haven't even mentioned what we offered yet, but we can get into that too. Yeah. Tell us about that. So it was listed for 2.7, I think I said, and it had been, it's been on the market for a while with no real, like no offers it's overpriced at 2.7. So we came in with an offer at a starting point of 1.7 million with 1 million seller carry at 5% on a 30-year amortization with a five-year balloon. And then 700,000, we would put a down payment of 400,000 from the 1031 and we would finance 300,000 through a bank. Already checked with my preferred lender. They said they are totally down with seller carry as long as they can find a closing agent that will write that community first credit union has first position and then the seller carry has second position. Okay. And so, yeah, the numbers are looking great. It, like I said, brings in around 30 to 35 per month, depending on the season, I make a 20% cut of that on gross income. And then they would make whatever was left over, which at this point looks to be around 10,000 a month. And they're going into retirement. They just want passive income and retirement and to park their money somewhere. And Mm -hmm. they think that 10,000 a month on a $400,000 investment is about a 27% cash on cash return for them, even paying me 20% of gross revenue a month. So it's a great deal for them too. That is awesome. What a win-win situation. Yeah. So super excited. I keep thinking about all the things I need to learn, but I'm excited (laughs) for it. Because right now there's a manager that is on site from like nine to five every day that checks people in in person. They have key locks, like Mm. physical keys. So we would convert everything.
switching to keypad, but yeah. then learning that whole system because it's not just a simple keypad that has a code. It needs to be a very robust keypad where we can change the codes very frequently. They can be custom codes like the last four of their phone number and how like how that integration all works. Because of course, I want it to be passive for me too. So right. I don't want to have to be manually sending these messages. I want it to automatically set the code, mm-hmm. automatically send the code, like all of that. So yeah. That's just a small portion of what I'm like, okay, I need to figure out what system we're going to use for the keypads. But you'll figure it out. And like the only way to figure it out almost is to just do it. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So, and when did you say you have the meeting with the sellers? Did you set that time up? Yep. So Wednesday of this coming week. So in what, in four or five days as we record this video. So, so they're both local. The seller, one of the brothers still lives in Des Moines. One lives in Denver. We're just meeting with the brother that lives in Des Moines. Moines. Yeah. And then my aunt and uncle live about an hour away from Des Moines. So it's not going to be very far for them to come. That's so exciting. I'm super excited. It could work out to be an amazing deal very labor, not labor, time intensive deal at first to get it up and running, but totally worth it for me to make a full-time salary plus what I'm already making and hopefully be able to make it very passive Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Okay. So that's my little spiel. I'm excited to like meet next week and maybe give an update here in a couple of weeks to see where we're at and if I do get it, I've already got like ideas in my mind on how I'm going to document the whole process. And I'm like, this would be a great YouTube mini series. Maybe this would be my yeah. opportunity to actually finally start a YouTube channel because I think people would be so interested in how do you buy a motel and how do you value add to a motel? A hundred percent. Oh, I'm so excited for you. And I'll learn so much just from you doing it. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So I know that you also have exciting news. So I'm kind of trying to buy a business on seller financing and you are also, are you under contract? Have you, you haven't signed the final PA yet, have you? I haven't. But before we talk about that, I do want to give a recap of our Orlando retreat because when this episode comes out, we will be launching tickets publicly for our next one. So yes, how could I forget? (laughs) I know. So We had a Thursday to Sunday retreat in Orlando the first weekend of November. It was literally amazing. We had 15 other investors from all over the U.S. We hung out, did hot seats, masterminds, goal setting. And the best part of it is just all that late night chit chat and side conversations you get to have with all these other business owners. And you learn so much and make so many connections. And it's literally, they're like the highlight of my life. These retreats are mine too it's like a lot of people that come to these retreats say like in real life they don't have Mm -hmm. these types of friends to talk to about business money goal Mm -hmm. setting all the things that we love to talk about real estate obviously and so coming to these retreats is like so refreshing for them and just inspiring and it's all women too I don't know if you mentioned that but it's a whole nother dynamic when it's only women feel like people are so much more open and vulnerable it's just the best time ever this was our third one and I swear every single one is just my favorite thing ever like I can't I know. Pick, you know <laughs> and they're they're just so fun and it, and you really get this sense of belonging that like all these other people are doing what you're doing and they're experiencing the same things and sharing in your successes and your struggles so it's just so nice to connect with people like that and inspiring and like Amelia said 
completely refreshing. I always know the week after a retreat, I'm like so pumped up to get shit done. <laughs> Me too. I feel like I've been so productive this week, although somehow it's already Friday, which is just crazy yeah. to me. It just flew yeah. by because I was like, oh my God, I want to do all these things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're interested today, tickets go out to the public. All three retreats have sold out. Two of them sold out like within a day. So definitely hop on it and we hope to see you there. It'll totally change your life and we think you'll really love it. Yeah. Today, November 21st, 2022, tickets go on sale. This episode airs on the 21st. So go to our website, womeninvestinrealestate.com under the retreats tab. You will find it listed there. Okay, so we can dig into what I'm up to. I don't have a ton of great updates. My business acquisition has moved a lot slower than I hoped it would. But looking back, I'm kind of like, it's okay that it's been moving slow because a lot's been going on. If you haven't heard, my partner and I are trying to buy a small manufacturing business with seller financing. We agreed to 20% down over seven years at four and a half percent. How a business acquisition works is a lot like a large real estate deal where you have your letter of intent and then you have to get your purchase agreement signed. So we had our letter of intent signed and sent a purchase agreement 30 days ago. And we just heard back from the attorney that they want us to collateralize our real estate, which we knew that was going to happen. If we had gotten a bank loan, we would have had to collateralize everything because a lot of times with businesses, there's no real estate involved in this purchase. So it's what they call goodwill. It's like your systems, your customers, your processes, like there's nothing, there's not a lot that's tangible. So a lot of loans want you to collateralize for it. So what we did is our attorney told us, make a list of obviously your highest equity to your lowest, but make sure that you are prioritizing things that you're going to hold on to. Because if we collateralize a property that we end up selling, it's there's probably going to be a ton of paperwork to fill out and we'd have to like put up a different property or whatever. So we made a list of all of our properties, highest equity to lowest equity, and then took out the few that we we're like, we might sell those. And then we just ended up putting, maybe it was three properties. And so the seller asked for 20% down. So that means we were financing 80%. So our attorney told us to start with, I think, 75% of that 80% to collateralize. So there's still a 25% of that loan. That's like not, that doesn't have a tangible asset. For the listeners here, I don't think you said purchase price yet. So... Oh yeah. Purchase price is 820,000. Okay. Let me get my calculator out here because then we can break this down because I think this is really interesting. Okay, so 820,000 and you are collateralizing 75% of that, which means that you have to put up to collateralize how much in real estate? $615,000 worth of real estate. Am I understanding it correctly? Yes, but you missed a step. We're going to put 20% down. Yes. So only, right. so 820 times 0.8, because that's the loan. The total loan is 656. Is that what you just said? Yes. Okay. And then of that 656, we're collateralizing 75%, which is oh, 492. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And how are you funding the 20% down? Private money plus just money we've had from cash out refinances that has been sitting. We cashed out our eight unit a burr probably three months ago and haven't used that money. So we've got that and then some private money. Awesome. Was the cash out, was that around like 50? Like that you pocketed? We, yeah, I think 50 or 60 or 70. I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) 
Because I, yeah, I can't quite remember. I just knew we had a perfect burr, so I was cool yeah. with it. Okay, so what properties are you collateralizing? Just because I'm interested. I would assume the two, four units that yeah. you called the eight we're gonna, unit. We're going to collateralize our eight unit. I really like that. I don't see us letting that go. It makes us a lot of money because they're all midterm rentals. I would have collateralized my primary residence because I have a pretty good chunk of equity in that, but I might, I'm going to sell it this winter. So that's off the table. And then I honestly, I can't remember. It was just two other like single. Oh, our duplexes. We have two duplexes that have pretty good equity. So we'll do those. And then maybe another single family. I can't quite remember. Keep in mind, we're in Iowa. So I don't have 600K of equity in a property because these properties are only worth one, 200,000 in the (laughs) first place. So, and the only reason we're we're starting with 75% of that loan balance is just so that we have room to come up if needed. Obviously we would prefer to collateralize nothing, but Mm -hmm. you know, we're not planning on failing. (laughs) Yeah. You're you're not planning on defaulting on the loan. Yeah, exactly. So we're okay with it. It doesn't really stress us out at all because we knew from the beginning that this would probably happen. I wish we would have been able to work a little quicker. Like it only took us like an hour to come up with that list Mm -hmm. and get it back to the attorney. So Grant is going to be talking to our attorney today and we're excited to just move forward. I think it's tough because right now is the busy season for this manufacturing business. And you got to get all those windshields out before for Black Friday Christmas sales. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the seller and her partner work in the business. So they don't have time to like sit at the computer and like talk to the attorneys and all that. Like they're busy on the floor busting their asses. So that's kind of, I think, what makes it go a little bit slower. And then just the seller, this is all she's ever known. So she doesn't know how seller financing works. She doesn't know how a business acquisition works. So Mm -hmm. there's not, there's some education on that end, which is totally fine. So we're really hoping to still close in 2022, but maybe it'll be January. I just, I truly have no idea. And still at the end of the day, the deal could fall apart because we don't have anything signed. And even if you do have something signed, it can still fall apart. We're still Mm -hmm. waiting on that purchase agreement, but feeling really good. No signs from the seller that they're not also feeling great. I know that they're ready to be done with this business. She's ready to have free time and passive income. So I'm just hoping everything stays on track. And one thing we missed was how did you find this business and what got you interested in purchasing it? So about six months ago, Brant was like, I hate real estate. I want to do something else. And I was like, you know what? We're in charge of our own lives. We work for ourselves. So what the heck do you want to do? And let's do it. So we decided we, and we had always been interested in buying a business and kind of like how you flip houses, you can like flip a business. And although this one, we want to keep forever. We don't, we're not really interested in flipping it, but just like you said, better management, better systems, better software can add a lot to the profitability. So we decided he was really interested in something in the auto industry or manufacturing. He was a manufacturing engineer and I used to be a mechanical engineer working in manufacturing. So I have a little bit of experience as well. So we found this on biz by sell and we had a buy box like Amelia, we had a buy box and this business somehow hit everything. And I think I'm still technically under the LOI where I can't give it of details about what the business is but one day you'll get those details <laughs> and so we met with the sellers laid out what seller financing would make for the seller how that would make sense how it would keep the closing process moving a lot quicker because the bank will only slow it down and now we're here trying to get that final purchase agreement signed awesome but you are still using the bank for a portion of it 
No. Wait, their attorney asked you to collateralize. The attorney asked not to the collateralize. Bank. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I was and, thinking because a bank would have required probably some sort of collateralization as well. Oh, yeah. Or like a personal guarantee, but I would assume that they would have wanted yeah. real estate. And we, to back it. and we knew that. So we've been expecting this. So that's why we're like, why did it take 30 days? to ask this question but no big deal also from what we understand from our attorney once we get the purchase agreement signed it's a lot quicker to get to the closing table than real estate because there isn't real estate and there isn't a ton you know it's not like there's 30 employees it's two people and And there's not an appraisal there's not an appraisal there's not any bank hoops so we're hoping that once we get this pa signed that that's like the hump of Mm -hmm. you know getting to the closing table and we're pretty close but again I have no idea (laughs) yeah I mean and both of us are super super superstitious a little bit too like we don't like talking about big projects before they happen but we're both trying to be better about that I think because I'm like I'm always scared that if I speak it into the universe and talk about it that it's gonna go wrong or I don't know what that is but I think a lot of people have that fear so yeah. Well, and it's because a lot of people wait to talk about something till it's been a success. And I don't want to be like that because that's kind of fake because then they never talk about the things that weren't a success. So I want to share in real time so that if things go south, don't pan <laughs> out the way I expected. I'm being authentic and sharing that. And so I can learn from it and other people can learn from it. Because if this business deal doesn't happen, I know another one will. Mm-hmm. We'll take whatever we learned and, you know, do the next one that much quicker. For sure. And now I'm going to go Google biz buy sell and try to find a business to buy on my own. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, There's but a lot for real. to sort through, but you can find a definitely find some deals on there. We both follow Cody Sanchez. I was introduced to her by Grace and she buys businesses basically. And she talks all the time about how many baby boomers own businesses and how many will be retiring soon and don't have some sort of a plan for their business. So there's so much opportunity coming within the next 10 years to buy businesses. So if you're interested, start following Cody Sanchez for one, but like just know that it's possible to buy businesses. And one more thing, I've been researching, you know, people that buy businesses and they say never start a business from scratch, always buy a business that's already up and running. Yeah. And the reason for that is because you already get the track record, you get all the nuances of starting a business out of the way, you basically get to skip all the BS and go straight to a proven business, which of course they can still fall apart. But you've at least, after a few years, seen it has some type of viability. Absolutely. Anything else you want to add? I would say also if you're interested, buy the book, buy, then build. I can't remember the author, but that's been really helpful with this process as well. Cool. Well, we hope you, yeah. Yeah, hopefully on the next BTS episode, we both have promising updates. Yes. So we hope you liked this episode. If you have any questions for us, you can find us on Instagram. Happy to answer them there. If you have any episode topic requests, you can also message us and we'd be happy to cover those. So thank you guys for listening. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you loved today's episode, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to check us out and join our community at womeninvestinrealestate.com and follow us on Instagram at wirewithtwoeyes.community.